prayer. O God, who wonderfully created and yet more wonderfully resolved to share our humanity, your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. And it is in the spirit of sharing that divine nature that we light the Christ candle this morning yet again to remind us that the divine light of God has come to earth to dwell. Our Old Testament lesson this morning comes from Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 7 through 14. For thus says the Lord, Sing aloud with gladness, Save, O Lord, your people, the remnant of Israel. See, I am going to bring them from the land of the north, and gather them from the farthest parts of the earth, among them the blind and the lame, those with child and those in labor, together a great company they shall return here. With weeping they shall come, and with consolations I will lead them back. I will let them walk by brooks of water in a straight path in which they shall not stumble. For I have become a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my and declare it in the coastlands for far away. Say, he who scattered Israel will gather him, and will keep him as a shepherd of the flock. For the Lord has ransomed Jacob, and has redeemed him from hands too strong for him. They shall come over the grain, the wine, and the oil, and over the young of the flock and of the herd. Their life shall become like a watered garden, and they shall never languish again. Then shall the young women rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old shall be merry. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. I will give the priests their fill of fatness, and my people shall be satisfied with my bounty, says the Lord. Our epistle lesson this morning comes from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. It's of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and insight. He has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Christ we have also obtained, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit 
This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people, to the praise of his glory. Our gospel lesson this morning comes from the gospel according to St. John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. Hear now these words of gospel truth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being, in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, he was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me. Upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. These are the words of Scripture which testify to the truth, who is. We are here on the second Sunday after Christmas, and we are steadily approaching the celebration of Epiphany. And, you know, once again, we have been able to light our Christ candle by darkness. And we hear John opening up his gospel by telling us that this light is the word. The, now, what is this word that, that John's gospel is so fixated upon at the beginning? This word, it, 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 the word, word word in the simple sense of a, a word written on a page. Uh, in some instances, spoken word, although logos generally means the written word. But the word is set of will and reason and logic. It's actually the root that we use in, in any of those science words that end in ology, you know, like biology or geology or astron... Well, that's astronomy, never mind. Uh, the, the ology part encompasses this idea of rational thought, thinking, reasoning, working in this word logos. 
is captured not only the word that is put down on the page, but the thinking behind it, the intention, the logic, another word that comes from the, 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 the root logos, the reasoning power, the mind, the will. What we are hearing John tell us is that the light that has come down, this word that has come down, is actually the reasoning power, the will, the thinking, the plan of God. That's who Jesus is. The will and rationale of God, who has become human to live alongside us. You know, oftentimes we tend to think of rational and very emotional. And indeed what we see happening in Jesus Christ is that that rational part of God is being wedded with the emotional part of humanity to become one full understanding. Not just observing from outside of creation, but becoming into creation. And God's will and rationale is now picking up human experience, human experience all of the richness and fullness of human life and being in its completeness. And in return, our humanity takes on God's divinity. And one of the things that becomes part of this cycle that begins with the incarnation, the, the coming of the Word as flesh, is that God's will and rationale is to be imparted upon we humans through the gift of the Holy Spirit that comes eventually on Pentecost. It's a complete sharing. It's a total sharing. The divinity of God picks up our humanity into one complete wedded thing. And our humanity, through Christ and the Holy Spirit, picks up God's divinity and becomes wedded together as one new and holy thing, so that God and humanity are knit together as one. It's that open invitation for humanity to come in to the experience of the Trinity. That's, that's what John's trying to get at. That's what he's trying to express in his gospel. And what's the outcome of that? What's that? Our Old Testament lesson from the prophet Jeremiah today. Now, those, those of you that have been participating in the new Bible study that we're doing on Zoom, you know, we, we've just, we have just begun uh, the book of Jeremiah as part of our uh, exilic and post-exilic literature study. And, you know, we're, we're just in the opening stages of Jeremiah. And this passage that we hear today from Jeremiah is at the end. And what we see happening in the book of Jeremiah is that Jeremiah has been called by God to warn the powers that be in the kingdom of Judah and the people that there are, there are dire circumstances coming because of the violation of covenant. And God gives Jeremiah words to speak to the people 
and in particular to, to the kings. And consistently, God gives Jeremiah words to pass on where, where he says, you know, if you do these things, you will be spared and given prosperity. If, on the other hand, you choose not to do these things, to do the opposite of what I ask, what God asks, then you will suffer exile, you will suffer elimination, you will lose the promised land because of covenant violation. And time and time again, what we will see in the book of Jeremiah is Jeremiah will pass on these words of warning and the kings and the people will look at it and say, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, Jeremiah. You're, you're full of it. And they would go and do their own thing. And sure enough, suffer. God is saying, do this now to be spared. And there are several times when, when they just look at Jeremiah and say, you're lying. Can't be true. And time and time again, what Jeremiah warns them of consistently comes true and comes true and comes true. And every time there's a warning that comes from God, they taken out of the promised land for covenant violation, and they spend 70 years in exile. Now, that said, it's not the end for God's chosen people. They have to spend their time, they have to spend their sojourn in exile, but God gives them promise. He gives them hope for a future, and that's part of what we hear in our reading from Jeremiah today is this promised hope for the future where eventually the people will be allowed to return and they will be able to prosper once again. The exile, that time of exile, is they have to learn how to be God's people once again. They have to learn how to be faithful once again. They have to learn new ways to praise and worship God in a foreign land when they are denied the access to the temple. They have to learn how to once again be covenant people. And what we hear then in Paul's letter to the Ephesians today is, again, a, a, a message of hope and promise for us. And he goes on, Paul goes on to tell us that Christ, as, as pointed out in John's Gospel, who is the Word of God from, from before the beginning, comes down and takes on our humanity for a purpose. To give us, to give us access to that same kind of promised land after exile. That we too can be made heirs and children of God through Christ, that we too can have access to that promise. There's a parallel there between what's going on in Jeremiah with the return and what happens to humanity with the coming of Christ. The coming of Jesus Christ the coming of the Word as flesh is our end of exile. It's the way in which we are able to be brought in to the, the covenant, even we Gentiles. We have had to sojourn for a while in a wilderness. And the question becomes, well, why now? 
Why that particular time? That's something that's been planned from the very beginning. You know, as, as Paul points out in Ephesians, he says, you know, we, we have this redemption bestowed upon us because it's part of God's pleasure for things to work that way. And that all of these things had been destined to happen for us from the very beginning of the beginning. But why and when? You know, we, we, saw, we saw last week when Mary and Joseph come to the temple with Jesus for his dedication that Simeon and Anna, they say, you know, this is the one, this is the one that Israel has been waiting for forever and ever and ever. This is the one. What is it about that moment? You know, Paul uses some very important wording in this letter, in verse 10, when he says, in the fullness of time. In the fullness of time. Now, that's a strange phrase that we use when we translate into the English, in the fullness of time. That's, that's not a phrase that you use in your day-to-day -day life. You're not going to the grocery store or the post office and saying, in the fullness of time. What is this fullness of time about? You know, there's a sense that it's in God's time, not our time. And time is an interesting word for us to look into, too. We've, we've talked a little bit about logos, word, but let's talk a little bit about time. In Greek, the language that Paul and the New Testament are using, there are two words that the Greeks use for time. There is a word chronos, and there's also a word kairos. Now, the word chronos for time indicates simple, average, everyday timekeeping. You know, the time on the clock, the time on your watch, the time of the hourglass, the time of day, the time of the calendar. Just routine time for scheduling things. That's chronos. That, that's why some of the really fancy, fancy clocks that we use for real accurate timekeeping are called chronometers instead of just clocks. Chronos gives this sense of just tick-tock, tick-tock on a clock. But then there's this word, kairos. Kairos is not average, everyday timekeeping. It's not tick-tock on a clock. Kairos indicates holy time. Time that is part of the grand universal scheme of God. Kronos takes into acknowledgement the divine has some sort of plan that has to be carried out, will only be carried out when it is the time that God intends. Kairos is God's time. And when we wrestle with that word kairos in the original language, we will often translate it using this phrase for something to happen. God has said, now is the moment. Kairos. We can't necessarily understand why Jesus Christ came at the particular moment in history that he came, other than God deemed it to be the right time. So long in exile in Babylon, and that they were eventually allowed to return because God deemed it the right time. 
there's always a sense that God has a plan. When Jeremiah said, gave them warnings, you will do this and not this. There was no fruit to them. Bad things happened to the people of Judah that did not heed the warnings of Judah or of, of Jeremiah. There, there was, and we'll get to this in the Bible study. There's a story that we'll be getting to where there's a remnant left, you know, and Paul alludes to that faithful remnant. There's a remnant left of Israel. That group of this remnant that winds up disobeying God, God says, stay in the land, stay in the land, don't go to Egypt. Well, they go to Egypt anyway, and they're wiped out when they get to Egypt. God gives warnings. There's a will that God has. And same thing, the exiles in Babylon had to stay there for 70 years, that 70-year period being deemed necessary to, to cleanse and redeem Israel. And it's only once God determines that that's the period of time that they're allowed to return. Other than it was the time that God deemed right. And so it is for us. We have ample warning and instruction from God about how we, as first that we see from Paul and others in the epistles in the New Testament, we have instruction on what we are to do and why. Now, as for the timing of it, well, we don't necessarily know what the timing for things are, other than we know that the right things will happen when God intends. And so it is with the situation that we find ourselves in now. Here we are in this pandemic. We have no idea when it's going to end. We have no idea why it started at this particular point. Why are we? Why us? Why now? We don't know. We may never know. It doesn't matter, really. We just know that it is. And we have ways that we are meant to live in this time. Scripture tells us how we should be. With the idea that we know that ultimately God intends good for us. One of the passages that we will be hitting on Jeremiah in the near future, tells us that, you know, no, God, God says to us, know that I have a plan for you, a plan not to harm. It's not up to us to determine the when. We thought maybe it was already the when. You know, we, we went through a first phase of the pandemic and we started to open things up again. We opened the churches back up again and uh, maybe it wasn't the right time. Maybe it wasn't the right time. Because here we are, closed again. Is it the time to open again? I don't know. God knows. All I know is that it's not up to human will to determine what should happen and when. It's up to God's will. That logos, that divine rational thinking that's become incarnate in Jesus Christ. That's the will that we need to be following, the will of Christ. As for the when, in the fullness of time. All I can say is I know that we have had ample warning in Scripture that if we try to do things that are against God's and if we indeed want to live out that promise that is given to us through Christ, that promise that Paul talks about in our passage from Ephesians, that promise that amplifies 
and reflects that promise that was given to the people of Israel in our reading from Jeremiah. If we want to tap into that hope, the best way that we can tap into lives that are worthy of the gospel, to make our attitude a be attitude, to make our lives a blessing to others and not a curse, and to not worry about human time, but to sit with faith and with patience, knowing that God will tell us when the time is full. That's part of what we do, the promise of this light of Christ that has come into the world. We live knowing in our faith that we've been made heirs of this promise, and that as long as we live in a way of faith, in a way of covenant, a way of promise, a way of patience, the blessings come, not just for us, but for the whole world. That's what we wait for. Incarnation is about the will of God living with and as one of us. Will we live in a way that reflects the divine? Amen. We have quite a number of uh, prayer requests that have come in this week. And uh, I regret to say that, uh, uh, unfortunately, a, a, a good number of them are uh, COVID-related. And uh, that's something that I think that we all need to bear in mind as we enter into prayer these days, that uh, COVID is still dangerous and still with us. So our prayer list today... Uh, we need to add also Tracy Brewer, who is the brother of Sandy Brewer, who is uh, ill with COVID. Um, we also have on our prayer list Fred McCone, uh, Deanna Blosser, Maxine Preston, Lori McAndrew, Chris Taylor. We also need to remember to continue to keep in prayer uh, Jim Williams. And we also need to continue to keep in prayer uh, Marlene Walborn and Priscilla Stoby and many others. Uh, I would ask that other prayer concerns that you are aware of today, that you lift them up in your heart during our time of prayer. And remember, too, that you can always pass these prayer requests along to me, either via the prayer chain or through on the uh, webpage we have in the uh, I would ask now that we enter into a season of prayer. God has blessed creation with a great variety of gifts and gathered all people into one family, so that in sharing we might strengthen and be strengthened by one another. We gather into our hearts and minds the universe and grant that these prayers, O God, may be enfleshed by our commitment not only to pray them, but to live them in your, son's, in your Son's name. We ask all of these things in Jesus, the word and will of God who has been made flesh, and who is the light that is not extinguished by darkness. 
and who has gathered us all together as children of God and heirs of the kingdom. And so we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I would remind you that once again, uh, you bind our, our hearts together in a spirit of thanksgiving and gratitude. Gracious God, you have redeemed us through Jesus Christ, the firstborn of all creation, whose birth we celebrate as the child of Bethlehem. Bless us with every spiritual blessing, that we may live as your adopted children and witness to your glory. Way of uh, announcements today, uh, for this week, um, we again will have our Zoom Bible study uh, on Wednesday at 3 p.m., and uh, this, because this is a recurring Zoom meeting, the information that has been sent out in previous newsletters uh, for connecting with that stays the same. So it's the same meeting information that has not changed. Uh, additionally, on Wednesday, uh, Center will be having a PPRC admin council meeting at 6 p.m. And a, the charge council, which consists of the chairs, of the admin councils and the chairs of the PPRC uh, will be meeting at 7 p.m. at the Polk Church. But, but once again, the uh, newsletters are going out, and I would like to re-emphasize that if you are able to receive that newsletter by email, please do subscribe to the charge website for that because that helps us reduce the expenses on uh, postage for the paper newsletter which can get to be quite high. And also a reminder, once again, that there is a place to submit uh, prayer joys and concerns there on the website. And then, without any further announcements, um, receive now this benediction. God of glory, your splendor shines from a manger in Bethlehem where the light of the world is humbly born into the darkness so that we, like him, may become beacons of your justice and defenders of all for whom there is no room. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.